2: up America? Doug Gottlieb show Fox sports radio coming to you from the sunny city of angels. Hope you're great. We have a huge baseball game tonight. Giants. Doyers from San Francisco. We'll get to that. Uh, we have a rather large NFL game with the Buccaneers taking on the Eagles. We'll address that. Plus uh, you'll hear from Odell Beckham, Jr. Brandon Staley. Um wait to hear what the Ravens had to say about Justin Herbert, the love affair. Luke fickle is going to join us, right? He's going to join us at 125 West Coast Time, 4:25 East Coast Time, All right? Head coach of the Bearcats of Cincinnati. Uh they're number 3 ranked in the country and they're undefeated. I am not going to make him um stand up on the soapbox and tell us why his team is awesome when his team is clearly awesome. Um so we got a bunch of things. John Palmarosi's is going to join us. Should we interview him in English or in Spanish? What do you guys think? That's because John Palmarosi is completely fluent, bilingual, and is amazing at what he does. Uh, my questions would be terrible if they were in Spanish. ¿Dónde está la mesa? ¿Dónde está la pluma? La pluma and la mesa. Still, got Gottlieb show here. I'm kidding. I'm making fun of my own ineptitude with Espanol. Um Kyrie Irving is a master of the English language. He's an all-star point guard. He's a a superstar caliber player. So he took to Instagram last night. And what I'm going to play for you, I'll play three different cuts, spend a little time in the middle. And I want you to think about what you hear. I'll tell you what I hear, and we'll discuss it. First, years, Kyrie Irving addressing the rumors that he is retiring.
4: I had to stop running away from using my voice and using my platform to, uh, you know, speak on what's true and what's mine. You know, nobody's going to hijack my voice. Nobody's going to take the power away from me that I have for speaking on these things, you know, and don't believe that I'm retiring. Don't believe that, you know, I'm going to give up this game for a vaccine mandate.
2: Okay, but you don't want to play because of the vaccine mandate. So therein lies the rub, right? There's a constant contradiction there. There just is. There's a contradiction there.
4: Here's Kyrie saying we should pay attention to the world around us. All these people saying all these things about what's going on with me, and it's just not true. Pay attention to what's going on out in the real world. You know, people are losing their jobs to these mandates. Uh, People are having to make choices with their own lives, which I respect. You know and and i don't want to sit here and and play on people's emotions either just use logic you know what would you do you know if if you felt uncomfortable going into the season uh when you were promised that you would have exemptions or that you didn't have to be forced to get the vaccine you know this wasn't an issue uh before the season started this this wasn't something that i foresaw coming where i prepared for it uh
2: okay things change it's a pandemic But he's saying he was told that he wouldn't have to get the vaccine. Now he does have to get the vaccine and he's reacting accordingly. Here's Kyrie when he just came to say hi.
4: I came into the season thinking that I was just going to be able to play ball, you know, be able to use my talent uh, to continue to, uh, you know, inspire, influence people in the right way. Like putting this on me is just like, why are you putting it on me? You know, like this. This is not part of you know what's going on in conversations with scientists, physicians, and doctors. I'm I'm just a hooper, right? Like I'm I'm just a person who who's being utilized as, as an example for some odd reason. You know, people love to have my name in the mix of just some BS. Uh,
2: that's Kyrie Irving. I feel bad for Kyrie because he has been told how smart he is. And that can be um, honestly not a compliment, but he's taking it as a compliment. I do agree with him in terms of using his platform and not staying silent. I think that's absolutely smart and absolutely true. And it's one of the main criticisms of Colin Kaepernick, which is, okay, you took a knee, but then you had nothing to say. And throughout all of these years, you have nothing to say. You have a huge platform and you have followers Help us show us. What are you actually fighting for? How can we help be part of a change? Right? Like that was the thing with the Kaepernick thing where he brought awareness to a problem. Okay. He protested in a way in which drew our attention based upon some help and, and it became a thing. And then it was the the movement was a rudderless ship. And frankly, it was hijacked by other movements. Kyrie is saying, well, people are losing their jobs. No, he, he, I, I love the idea that it's a personal decision. Yes, he has a personal decision. Play, make money, or don't. That's a personal decision. But the, the when you are part of a team, and you're part of a union, and the union collectively bargains, and this is what came out of the collective bargaining agreement, you have to get vaccinated, or you run the risk of not being able to play. You know, Kyrie got—I'm sure—was vaccinated when he was a kid. If not before he played at Duke, you can't go to Duke unless you're inoculated. Is the vaccine different? Sure, sure. But we're we're conflating all of these different ideas of personal freedom, and we the the the, the issue with Kyrie is he's not that smart. Okay, he's 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 not a dummy, but he's not nearly as smart as he thinks he is. None of us actually are you are not an epidemiologist (laughs) you are not an infectious disease specialist you're not and those group of people have gotten together and this currently is the best that we could do and he's like i don't like being part of the drama okay well one you could just simply say why you're doing what you're doing and understand that your talents are respected and that's the only reason we're still talking about you. Plenty of people don't get the shot. They're just not good enough to play in the NBA. But I I just, Kyrie's one of those guys that is not a dummy, but he's not nearly as smart as he thinks he is and he's trying to kind of outsmart the world and make a point that doesn't really make the point. He's interested in the greater good, but in the financial well-being of the greater good? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Isn't it more important that people are healthy while working than just simply working? You can do both. All of those, anybody who quits because of a vaccine mandate can absolutely positively get the vaccine and still keep working. And, and most people are in fact vaccinated. There have been so many despicable and disgraceful lies told about things. You know, there's a, a guy who played for the Atlanta Hawks and he thinks he had blood clots because of the vaccine. Okay, it's it's. is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? I don't know. Based upon the numbers? No, I, I don't know. I don't know his own medical history. I don't know. I, I can tell you this. That... No one who plays in the NBA, no one who plays in professional sports outside of this one lone player who had a cup of coffee for the for the Hawks last year, their organization, has had any sort of complications. You know, you're told by people who don't know what the hell they're talking about, about how what percentage of people, how many people get sick from using the vaccine, yet none of these people have. And if Kyrie's really for the greater good, then getting the vaccine is in fact the right decision to make. But we operate in a, in, a, in a world in which we think we're totally free and we're not. We're just not. And rightfully so. There has to be some checks and some balances. My first year playing professionally was in 2000, 2001. I played in Russia. Russia at the time Total uh, capitalist society and real capitalist society is super rich, super poor, very little in the middle. There, There weren't people helping out those in need. That's why we have farm aid. That's why we have welfare. That's why we have some form of universal health care. That's why in our country, even before we had universal health care, even now, if you don't have insurance, you get hit by a car, you're still going to be treated at a hospital. That's part of being the greatest country in the world. You don't want complete and total freedom. You also don't want complete and total socialism, communism. That's not who we are either. But he's, the rules have been pretty well situated can pretty well set up. You wanted to play in Brooklyn. That was your team. Now, could you have foreseen what's happening or were you told some sort of myth, uh, truths, and, and falsities and lies before the season about if you could play without being vaccinated? If you didn't see the way this thing is going, I can't really help you, but you thought you would play in New York city, not be vaccinated. What world are you living in? New York city has been decimated, decimated by this thing. It's not just the deaths by COVID or the sickness by COVID, but the city people moved out. They were like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm moving to Connecticut. I'm moving to Jersey. I'm moving far away where I can just work online. It's been devastating. But all of these things have been put in place because it's for the greater good. So the the hypocrisy to what he's saying is, hey, I love basketball. Not enough. Hey, I'm willing to take a stand. What is actually the stand? The stand is for personal freedoms? Okay. But the stand is for the the greater good. The greater good is getting the vaccine. Yes, uh y- yes, Chase too.
7: Hey Doug, if you're uh if you're running the nets right now and you watch that what is it? 20 to 30 minute uh Instagram live. Um what what do you do with with Kyrie? Like what what happens? I just think you let him sit. So no trade.
2: No because Kyrie is I mean, he's made it pretty clear like the money isn't the isn't the most important thing to him and he's willing to sacrifice it. And so all they've been able to do, and, and this is part of the non-vaccine mandate that you don't have in the NBA, is we can't mandate it, but we can sure threaten you and we can do everything in our power to make you do it without making you do it. That's what they've done. That's what they've done. So what do I do? Nothing. I hope the vaccine mandate is lifted. And meanwhile, I have some really smart people Call Kyrie and go like, hey, dude, can I just give you a real sense of what we're doing here, why we're doing it, how it makes sense, why you need it? And I think my guess would be ultimately he gets vaccinated. But, you know, if there's one guy who you would say, who's the guy in the NBA to not get vaccinated when everybody else does, Kyrie would be number one or two on everybody's list. This is like the least surprising thing of, of all time. And I find it curious that he's talking about people's personal. There's all kinds of things you have to do and sacrifice to work. He's never had a real job in his life. Like this is the, the amazing part about it, right? Like i never had a real job in his life. So uh, basketball players and I was a professional athlete and you, we, we think we work hard, but I remember having two practices a day playing overseas and thinking, God, this is a job. But the truth is that was four hours of work a day. There was some prep, you know, there was stretching, there was managing your body and your sleep and all the other stuff. But like that ain't real work. Ask somebody who really works. What's that like? Ask a nurse what it's like. Now ask somebody who really, Ask a coal miner, what it's like. And there's sacrifices for every job There's sacrifices for every team. And Kyrie can say, I'm not being selfish. I'm thinking of other people. But the truth is, you're being selfish because you're putting your desires to make a point above that of everybody else in the locker room. Hey, dude, I thought we all came here to win a championship. It is very winnable. And, and it, it may be, and I'm not trying to take a shot at the messenger, but remember, this is Kyrie who didn't want to go to the bubble, who said there was racism. He implied there was racism in playing in the bubble. You know, Kyrie has been a constant contradiction. He can say he's a good teammate, can say he's not selfish. That wasn't the case in Boston. It wasn't the case in Cleveland. He's an amazing talent. And that's why we're still talking about it. That's why people still want him. That's why he was going to get a contract extension. But somebody told him he was too smart. He was smart and he's become too smart for his own good. He's overthinking this thing. And he's going to ruin his career and this team. Doug Gottlieb show Fox sports radio Sage Rosenfels former NFL quarterback from Iowa in Iowa state legend going to join us uh, shortly got a lot to get to with him speaking of quarterbacks um, they asked Lamar Jackson about Justin Herbert take a listen what he said.
4: I haven't watched those guys like that, but I do see him on Instagram and stuff like that flashing around doing his thing. You know, he's a very talented quarterback, and, you know, he's been doing his thing. Hopefully it slow down a little bit when we're playing against him. You know, we don't want to hype him up too bad this week, man, you know, but um, he's definitely been balling out, balling out of control.
2: Here's uh, Wink Martindale, who's, of course, the defensive coordinator of the Ravens, talking about the Chargers offense.
5: I think he's one of those guys who can throw a strawberry through, through a battleship. You know, I mean, he's got tremendous arm talent. Uh, he is the uh, prototypical NFL quarterback, if, if you will, in, in, in looking at him. And, and he's got a lot of talent that, that goes with that arm as far as himself of reading coverages and, and he has great targets to throw to. So it's going to be a big-time challenge.
2: Um. Look, I think everybody's gotten on board with Justin Herbert, and it's interesting. You know, I saw a piece on TV earlier today about how, uh, how Lamar Jackson is uh, is the new NFL quarterback. I, I actually don't think that's the case. I think Lamar Jackson is an outlier, right? He is an absolute freak town as an athlete, and uh, he has worked and worked and worked to make himself a, a better thrower. But the type of at raw speed, twitchy athleticism to go along with arm talent and confidence. And let's also not forget being put in the perfect system with a coaching staff that has embraced it with the defense's first couple of years, which carried him like the whole thing worked together. Justin Herbert is actually the prototypical new age quarterback. He too, big, strong, can run, comes from a family of athletes. And like Lamar, there were a lot of questions about him when he came out, and he's exceeded anyone's expectations. But he's better from the pocket. And in terms of his manipulation of safeties and the defenses, it's elite at a very young age. We'll we'll ask Sage Rosenfeld about him shortly, but those are two star quarterbacks. Like If you don't know by now, you haven't been paying attention. Here we go. Let's let's get to... um, Isaac Lohenkron. Ilo, what's going on in sports? Doug, the St.
10: Louis Cardinals today shockingly fired manager Mike Schilt, who'd led them to the postseason in each of his three full seasons at the helm. Team president John Mazeliak said that Schilt was fired over philosophical differences, adding that Schilt was, quote, very shocked, unquote, when he was informed of his firing this morning. Gee, you think? The Los Angeles Dodgers announced that Corey Knable, a.k.a. not Julio Urias, will be their opening pitcher for tonight's winner-take-all Game 5 of the National League Division Series against the Giants in San Francisco. Buster only reports the New York Yankees will not renew the contracts of hitting coach Marcus Thames and third-base coach Phil Nevin. In the NFL, Dan Grazio. Phil
2: Nevin, Cal State Fullerton, first overall pick.
10: 1995 national champions, baby. That's right, very good beat USC in the uh, College World Series Championship game at old Rosenblatt Stadium. In the NFL, Dan Graziano reports the 5-0 Arizona Cardinals have had three positive COVID tests this week. On the field, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visit the Philadelphia Eagles at 820 Eastern in tonight's Discover card key matchup. Brought to you by Discover. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit Credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply.
2: Doug, all yours. Stug Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. Let's welcome him in. He's Sage Rosenfels, Of course, a longtime quarterback in the National Football League, now kind of quarterback savant. You'll see him on TV as well. Sage, let me ask you about Justin Herbert. Um,
5: how, how good is he? He's a great player. He's a great player. He has all the things you're looking for. Um, I think there was questions coming out, and, and I probably could include myself in that long list of quote unquote quarterback experts that weren't super high on him. And one of the reasons I wasn't high on him is because they threw a lot of bubble screens. They sort of ran a weird offense at Oregon. Uh, I didn't, you weren't seeing a lot of like 25 yard seam routes and throws, route, throw routes down the field that you see in a lot of NFL games. So I was like, hmm, I'm not really sure how this kid's going to translate. But And you break it down, he's accurate. Uh, He's got a strong arm. He's got great pocket presence and movement. He's a tremendous athlete. I mean, he's really on par with like a Josh Allen as far as uh, athleticism, maybe even better. So you add all those things up, and then you put them with what I think are two really good offensive minds. Offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, who would come from the Saints. So you're getting that sort of Drew Brees offense with an extremely talented quarterback. And Shane Day is our quarterbacks coach who would come from the San Francisco 49ers. So you're sort sure of getting Sean, Mc, uh, uh, Sean Payton and Kyle Shanahan in an offense that is great for this young rookie. So I really do think the sky is the limit for him. Some of the other days, so they'd rather draft him than Pat Mahomes at this point. I'm not going to make that move. But he is up there as far as young quarterbacks. All these young guys that are coming up in the league, even like Lamar Jackson, Justin or Justin Herbert is near the top of that list. He is right. a very, very good quarterback.
2: What's changed from, by your estimation with Lamar Jackson? I, I have my own kind of hypotheses, maybe even theory. But for you, you know, now they're coming from behind. Now he's – the, the feeling is they don't seem to freak out as much when they get down big, whereas in previous years – Um, they struggled when they got behind. Why is the change in your mind and what's happening in Baltimore?
5: Yeah, so in that conversation, you know, there's this sort of thought that you don't become a better passer over time. It's like you become a better shooter in the NBA. Well, if you're not a very good shooter, you may not improve all that much, maybe a little bit, but I do feel... Because based off my own experiences, I do feel you can become a better passer in this league. Um, will he ever be a great passer? No. Will he ever be the most accurate quarterback back in the league? I don't think so. But shoot, at, at, when I was at Iowa State, 52% college completion percentage. I ended my career something like 65% with all the reps you get. Football all the time. 12 months out of the year. You will become a better passer on top of it once you understand how defenses work and you start understanding the X's and O's of the game. And now you can start anticipating, and plus all those reps you have of routes on air and all the offseason work and all the training camp work and all the practices, yet Lamar Jackson's going to become a better passer. At the same time, he's a complete freak-of-nature athlete. I-, I actually think he's a better runner than Michael Vick. Maybe not total top-end speed. But as far as quickness and small spaces and the ability to make people miss, I think he's better than Vic as far as a runner. So you put that together and you see this improving passing ability that he has, that, you, that he is getting. He's getting. He is becoming a better passer, and you're starting to have a guy who can win football games when you're behind by 14 or 17 points in the fourth quarter because he can go up. And just and throw the football and if you go back to his rookie year in that playoff game where it was sort of a disaster and you're like man i don't know about lamar jackson he can run but he couldn't throw it all in that game and to see where he is now that's a credit to him that's a credit to his offensive coordinator and quarterback coach and whoever he works with that he has improved as a passer and as he goes in his career he's gonna have to become a better passer because as we all know you can't run around like that forever, especially if you want to play for 15 or, or 17 years like some of these great Hall of Fame quarterbacks do. So as his athletic ability athletic ability does decline, he is going to have to become a better passer. And I think he will. Again, I don't think he's going to be a 75% thrower anytime soon, but uh, I, I do think that he uh, is going to be good enough to be really, really hard on defenses. And, of course, that's where he is already right now.
2: Yeah, I, I also think, and, and you tell me, I feel like they haven't gotten out of their core offense when they get down anymore, right? Like it used to, they used to try and go to spread it out and go for four or five wide. And now they're just, look, we're just going to keep doing what we do, even when we get behind. And that, that has, I think, given them confidence, but slowly over time worked. And we should also point out that these comebacks, at least recently, we're talking the Lions, not a good team. We're talking the Colts, not a good team. Let, let's see. Chargers are a better football team. Let's see how it works against them. Is it fair though that they haven't they've they haven't taken the bait that so many teams that run the football a ton take, which is when you get behind, go to throwing, which is not what they do best.
5: Yeah, and and I think the more they run that offense, which I promise you, there's they're basically the only team in the NFL that runs that style, well, because they have the only quarterback who is that type of player. And the more you run something, the better you get at it. You start sort of seeing where all the bones are buried. And then, you know, you're losing. Next thing you go, you go into four wide receivers or five wide receivers. Well, that's not Lamar, what he's been practicing for the last couple years. And so he's not going to be quite as good and nuanced at all those things, especially protections and those because they just don't do it as much. So uh, I don't think they're going to get very far if they continue to put themselves down by 17 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, But I do see them as one of the tougher teams to beat in the AFC, they've got to find their defense to be able to step it up to match where that offense is, is, is moving the ball right now.
2: Um, how do you think Derek Carr plays, not just with all this adversity, but also without John Gruden?
5: <clears throat> Maybe better? I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't think John Gruden was the magic dust that put on this Raiders offense and all of a sudden that's why they were a good football team. I think the Raiders are a good team. They've got some good players on offense. They've got a good scheme. Uh, their defense is, was coming along. They're three and two. Uh, I like Olson as, as now sort of the de facto OC head coach, whatever, whatever his position is there, I guess at the OC, uh, I think he'll do a great job. I think this team has two choices. They've got an opportunity in front of them. They can either say, you know what, our head coach left in all this turmoil, and, and we're going to sort of go downhill and sort of play out the games, or they can sort of take it upon themselves and rise above it and take control of that football team and play at a level that they haven't played at yet. And the, the Oakland Raiders are playing really good football. Carr was playing really good football until that disaster of a game against the Bears last weekend where you could just tell Man, this team is off. There was a lot of players that were just off in that game. And you add them all up, it ends up being a crappy performance, which is what they had. So I think Carr might, you know, sort of be re, uh, reinvigorated about this whole situation, sort of take this team on his back. I've known this kid since he was like 13 or 14 years old, obviously, as David's younger brother when I was in Houston. And I can see him being the type of kid that really brings that, you know, sort of put that team on his back and carries that team and maybe does something that would surprise everybody. I'm, I'm sort of rooting uh, in a weird way for the for the Oakland Raiders. If you never, thought, never was a Raiders fan, uh, but I'm sort of rooting for them and rooting for Derek Carr uh, to, to have a great season and to overcome all this turmoil that their head coach put them in.
2: It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. That's the voice of Sage Rosenfeld. longtime a quarterback in the national football league quarterback at Iowa state. Um, Uh, Okay, so we know who's playing well. Who's the guy who you're like, you know, he's not actually playing all that well when you watch the quarterbacks on tape?
5: Well, I do a show in Chicago uh, every single Tuesday, and I break down the Bears offense. And Justin Fields is a player that I've known since he was 17, coached him in a high school camp, sort of followed his career from Georgia to Ohio State and now to the Bears. And, of course, my dad's in Chicago, grew up a Bears fan, so I have, like, a vested interest in this kid and it's not that he's playing bad. It's that the coaching of the Bears' offense is bad. Um, Matt Nagy is, in my opinion, uh, the scheme that he had him in in his first career start in Cleveland was maybe the worst coaching performance that you'll see in the National Football League all year and maybe over the last four or five years. It was uh, a sort of pathetic of the position that he put Justin Fields in. Then they changed the offense. Bill Lazor uh, is doing something that, that, that Justin should be doing. Under center, little play action, little bootleg, get the ball out quick. Don't go five-man protections, Now linebackers, blitzing all over the place to confuse your rookie quarterback. He completely changed the game plan, and Fields is playing better in that system. I just wish that Fields was in – San Diego in that system with Lombardi or San Francisco or, you know, or, or, or the Rams, one of these teams, right? Or or Cleveland, one of these teams where I really do feel like a coach could maximize his strengths. And right now I sort of feel like his weaknesses are being maximized. And as a young player, you have a lot of them. And most of that is comes down to X's and O's and comes down to advanced details and protections and field isn't there yet. and Almost no rookie is, but the coaching staff definitely isn't helping him.
2: Sage Rosenfeld is joining us. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, we'll see Brady again tonight. How does he keep doing this? He can throw
5: that football, man. He can throw that football. And when you've been in the game long enough, you know, when I watch a football game, uh, this morning I watched the Chargers and the Browns or rewatched it when you turn it on, especially from the all 22, you just, I see and collect so much information from formation to defense, to where that linebacker is to the front. I can't help myself, but sort of see all the information and Tom Brady, when he walks up to the line, he has seen everything a thousand times. And so that ball hits his hand. He pretty much knows where he wants to go with the ball, which means he can get it out quickly he can get rid of it. He's not waiting for people to come open. He's not, un, he's not reading the defense. He already has read the defense. And, you know, as we all know with, like, throwing motions, and he's got a great throwing motion, if you have a, a good one, you can throw for a long time. Ask Nolan Ryan that, who pitched till he was in his mid-40s, right? So his throwing motion has probably gotten better in his career. It's become more efficient. And his accuracy is incredible. So you have a guy who is insanely accurate, understands defense's uh, uh, probably better than any quarterback in NFL history, and his arm hasn't gotten any weaker. Uh, and, so, and he's got great weapons there. So, no, I think this keeps going uh, as long as, you know, the defense and, and, uh, and all that sort of, uh, you know, play together as a team. And I, you know, I think they're going to be right there in the NFC t- uh, race right down to the end.
2: Pat Mahomes does lead the league in touchdown passes, but now all of a sudden uh, he's throwing more interceptions. You watch the tape. What do you see?
5: I see a guy who's trying to score 14 points on every drive because I think he knows that his defense isn't very good. And so he's one of those guys who, because he's such a magician with the football in his hands, he's probably trying to do a little bit too much because he probably feels he has to. And, you know, that's what I see. That's where I think the increase in interceptions is, you know, they have five new offensive linemen this year There's not many NFL teams that bring in five offensive linemen after five guys go for, for whatever reason. So there is, there is some issues there in Kansas City, and I think a lot of people had them right back in the Super Bowl in the AFC, or at least right in the hunt. I, I think this is a struggling football team, and I think what I see out of Mahomes is a guy who's probably just trying to do too much. I see him running around a lot, and though he can do that, I think over time, that just wears a quarterback down, and you really can't expect a quarterback to run around constantly and make amazing plays that he does and win a lot of football games. I just think over the course of a 17-game season, you're just not going to get enough magic out of Pat Mahomes, even though he might be the most magical player in the National Football League from the quarterback position.
2: He's Sage Rosenfels. He played in the league. He studies the league. He works with the quarterbacks in the league. Sage, you're the best, man. Have a good weekend.
3: Uh, thanks for having me on, Doug. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
6: Terms and conditions apply.
2: Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're doing well. Um. Ooh, is it cold in here? I feel a draft.
3: This is game time. It's game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show.
2: Isaac Lohenkron, what's the game today?
10: Yes, indeed, Doug. The game today is. <laughs>
3: I feel a draft.
10: Yeah, I forgot my sweater in the car. Doug, today we're going to do the old four-person draft, one through four, and then Snakes back five through eight. The draft order starts with you. Jason Stewart will be the second pick. Then John Ramos. Then, oh, me. Can't stand that guy. What we're drafting today, your <laughs> choice for the hero of game five tonight between the Dodgers and the Giants. Who will join oh, the gosh! likes of... Bobby Thompson, Joe Morgan in the lore of this historic rivalry. Doug, you got the first pick. Who is your choice for who will be the hero tonight? And before you pick the wind,
2: uh, the conditions are absolutely gorgeous right now in San Francisco. Gorgeous. They're gorgeous, darling. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, my, So I can be either team? Yes. Right? All right, yes. I'm going to start with Logan Webb. All right. Uh, I mean, look, Logan Webb, 10 strikeouts, 7 and 2 thirds in game one. If he pitches well, you know, if he gets to the seventh inning, I mean, there's your, there's your hero if he can shut down this dynamic offense.
7: All right, a web gem, Jason Stewart. Yeah, D- Doug's choice kind of hurts. Um, I, you know, Justin Turner hasn't done anything in this series. He's he, been our he, wait.
2: He, we hit a home run. Well, that was, that was the previous. That,
7: yeah, I guess that was a in right playing game. Um, playing. And, but he hasn't done much this series, and he's always been our our hero. So I think this is fu- the game that he comes through. I don't know what it'll be, but it'll be something, double, whatever it takes, maybe even a diving catch, but Justin Turner's my pick.
11: All right, next, John Ramos. Well, I think the best player on any of the team is Mookie Betts. I think he is exceptionally the best player in this whole series. It's going to be a Mookie Betts night tonight. If he comes through, the top three of the Dodgers' order have to come through. They were 0 for 11 in Game 4 in Game 3 and like 6 for 10 or in Game 4. So I like Mookie Betts and his big game tonight.
10: I'm not going to check my mentions on Twitter at Isaac Lowenkron after this one, but Cody Bellinger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sadistic. All right, I'm going to go Cody Bellinger, and then uh, we, we talk about um, their pitcher tonight, Corey Knebel. I'm calling him not their starter, but their opening pitcher. I'm going to go Cody Bellinger, and then Julio Urias as the fourth and fifth pick. So now we go back to you, John Ramos.
11: Well, I look. I'm no Giants fan, but I respect and deeply enjoy Buster Posey. So if anybody's going to come through tonight for the Giants, it's going to be Buster Posey. So he would be a hero on the Giants side tonight for me.
10: Pocket full of posies, Jason Stewart. Respect, respect, right. man, respect.
7: I honestly uh, can't believe that this guy's fallen to me. I mean, this, is, this might be the steal of the draft. Uh, he's the reason why we won the World Series last year. We? Um, we. we. My, <laughs> Got my a Dodgers, mouse in your pocket? My Dodgers. I uh, go back to the mid-70s. I can claim a we on this. Uh, Corey Seager is my seventh in the seventh slot. I'll take Corey Seager.
10: All right. So apparently the Laramie Tunsil of this particular draft. Uh, and, Doug, we wrap with you. Kenley W-R-A-P, not Kenley R-A-P. Janssen. Okay. Boy, you're talking about falling to eight. All right, there we go.
2: There's our draft. I mean, draft like Kenley, Kenley, right. Kenley J- if the Dodgers are going to win, Kenley Jansen is going to have to close the door. Kenley Jansen.
7: That's game, huh? Game time. This
3: is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show.
2: What up, Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Why did you not pick Kenley Jansen? Um... Help me out there, Jace too. Why, 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 why isn't Kenley Jansen? Is only a hitter can be a hero.
7: I, I have a complicated relationship with Kenley Jansen. I, I don't love Kenley Jansen as a <laughs> closer either, to be totally honest. Yeah. I, he's, he's always been kind of frustrating for me. I know he had a great second half of this season, but let's just put it this way. If tonight comes down to Kenley Jansen, I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to look at the TV. You have a complicated relationship. You just don't think he's actually all that good. Oh no no! I think he's all a hall of famer. He just he just always this circus high wire act when he comes in. You know it's never it's never easy with Kenway.
11: Uh, I don't think he's a hall of famer, but okay. I don't think he's all of famer either. By the way, what? A, no, John. Wait a minute. You're nope. a Dodger guy. That's yeah. I well, think it's a g- very, very very very
7: good pitch. He won a World yeah, he Series. wasn't close. It. it. It's it's even some matter.
10: raw emotions
7: here.
2: <laughs> I'm just we're like we're just John and I are like thinking the same. Like wait, the one year they win the World Series. Luis closes the door, right? Not Kenley Jansen.
11: When did you ever? When did ever any team ever not trust a Hall of Fame player in a situation like that? I can't. Th- I mean, you know, you know, uh-huh, hey, Madison, Wow, well, but they would roll Kershaw out there all yes, the time, that's true. whether or not he didn't perform. It that's a different story. But they always w- the guy pitched in like three consecutive three day games, like <laughs> keep throwing him out there. So yeah, I. Madison Bumgarner, the guy, they threw him out there like, I don't care. I'd rather have this guy pitch because he's a Hall of Famer. Henley Jansen is a very, very good, and I apologize to David Vassay because he um, thinks that we rag on Jansen way too much. Just Dodger fans in general. And they probably do. They probably do. But he is a very, very good pitcher. He is not a Hall of Famer. I'm
2: with I'm with Ramos on this one. By the way, uh, in the World Series last year, he had a 10.80 ERA.
11: Um, Isaac, you had 11.00 ERA, correct? <laughs> <laughs> you had one more run than that. Kenley Jansen had actually. The, the, this kind of goes into the
7: complicated part. Uh, last year, yeah, we thought he was done. I honestly didn't think he would be the the closer coming into this season, I and know. he's had a resurgence, but again, I don't trust him. He was a subject of daily consternation on in the LA media last year. I mean,
2: daily,
11: every no single doubt. day, yeah. You know, I I, just, I hope you know, he does just, well though. I'm not saying I hope like a, he does. He's like of a, he's
2: like a bad version of Mariano Rivera. Oh, jeez. Right? No, <laughs> I just I just mean like he's like the Dodgers so badly want everybody wants a Mariano Rivera, and he's just not that good. But Mariano Rivera was like one pitch, just come in. But Mariano Rivera was so was so much better. And look, Mariano Rivera had two. The, the, when they lost to the Red Sox, that was him. They lost to the Dimebacks, that was him. But there were so many years in which he was just right
11: where he actually perfection. did it.
2: Right in the World Series, okay, uh, he's he's had pitched in eleven games. He has a four point four zero ERA. You know he's given up five home runs in fourteen innings pitched in the World Series, and and all of his numbers dramatically change in the World Series. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a product of choking. I think it's a product of one fatigue and two it's just a different level. You have a different level of dominance.
11: Yep. That Gurriel home run in Game One of the twenty seventeen yeah. World Series that yep. that did it right. That that yep. was the end.
2: Yep, 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 yep. We're we're, we're together on. But I picked him as a potential hero because he comes in and he closes the door and people. Oh, uh, Kenley Jansen's Hall of Famers. You know, that's, <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of weird that like Tom Brady's on TV tonight. Nobody's talking about it. Is that weird to anybody else? Um, coming up next, I want to talk about Pat Mahomes. I want to talk about Pat Mahomes. So, uh, Pat Mahomes leading the league in touchdowns, but probably going to lead the league in interceptions as well. And there's lots of discussions about why. And for the most part, people have said it's because he's trying to win a game by himself. You know, this is actually who Pat Mahomes is. I'll prove it to you next in the Doug Gottlieb Show. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.